Hello, and thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Minister John Richard, and this podcast is an account of this week's Bible study. I pray that it blesses and strengthens you in Jesus' name. If you are looking for more of the Word or are searching for the notes that were used in this week's lesson, please feel free to check the links in the description. Enjoy the Bible study and be blessed. Heavenly Father, it is an honor and a privilege to come before you in prayer. I ask that you bless the mouth and words that come from your minister, John, when he brings forth the word that you have for him on today for your people. Bless our hearts and minds to be perceptive and receptive of what thus said the Lord, what the spirit of the living God is saying to the church. Help us to hear what you're saying to those of us who are not even members of the body of Christ in order that we will be convicted of truth. We will repent, turn to you, and make you our Lord and Savior. As it is your will that none be lost, that none perish, but that all come into the knowledge of who you are and embrace you. Heavenly Father, I am in the book of Matthew chapter 11 where you say, Come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. That's Matthew 11, verses 28 through 29. Sounds like me that we have been fighting. Not so much that we are misguided and on the wrong path, but sometimes when you have us in warfare mode, we don't know how to stop fighting. As we see demonstrated in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 2, you keep reminding the people to stop fighting. Don't pick a fight. I'm going to read a few verses. Then we turned around and went back into the wilderness following the route to the Red Sea as God had instructed me. We worked our way in and around the hills of Seir for a long, long time. Then God said, you've been going around in circles in these hills long enough. Go north. Command the people. You're about to cut through the land belonging to your relatives. Cut through it, not stop in and stay. The people of Esau who settled in Seir, they are terrified of you, but restrain yourselves. Don't try to start a fight. I am not giving you so much as a square inch of their land. I've already given all the hill country of Seir to Esau. He owns it all. Pay them up front for any food or water you get from them. God, your God, has blessed you and everything you have done. He has guarded you in your travels through this immense wilderness for 40 years now. God, your God, has been right there with you. You haven't lacked one thing. So we detoured around our brothers, not stopped by. We detoured and went around them, the people of Esau, who live in Sierra, avoiding, not embracing, but avoiding the Arabo road that comes up from Elath and Ezion Gibber. Instead, we use the road through the wilderness of Moab, not making a pit stop there, we went through. God told me, and don't try to pick a fight with the Moabites either. I'm not giving you any of their land. I've given ownership of R to the people of Lot. The Emites, in parentheses, it says monsters, used to live there. They used to. They were mobs of hulking giants like Anakites. Along with the Anakites, they were lumped in with the Raphites, in parentheses, it says ghosts, but in Moab, they were called Emites. 
Horites also used to live in Seir, but the descendants of Esau took over and destroyed them. The same as Israel did in the land God gave them to possess. God said, it's time now to cross the brook Zered. So we crossed the brook Zered. And Heavenly Father, even now I'm hearing you say, it's time to cross over, not to make pit stops. It's not time to continue in circles, but it is time to break the cycle. So I ask that you do just that. I bind every demonic cycle that would have us thinking that we're off course, that would have us thinking that we're still in fight mode, still in warfare mode. As you've taught in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter three, there's a time and a season of purpose for everything under the earth. There's a time to fight and there's a time to cease fighting. There's a time to go in circles and there's a time to break the cycle. There's a time to be stagnant and there's a time to make progress, a time to be unfruitful. And now is the time to be fruitful. There is a time to make pit stops where relatives are who have been enemies of ours. Oh my God, as you've taught the disciples, the enemies of a man's house are their own relatives. So Heavenly Father, help us learn the lesson and break the cycle. And when it is time to stop doing a thing, help us to do it. So I bind the inability to hear your voice and to heed instruction. I loose the manifestation that we hear you and heed you that it is time to move on over and cross over to the other side. It is time to go forward and not turn back, not make pit stops. But the cycle of circling has ended in the mighty name of Jesus. I declare and decree it is so. So this is what we learn of you. So it is the yoke exchange program where we give you what has had us heavy laden and burdened down and restless to receive what will cause us to have it easy and light. And we will receive rest unto our souls once we have learned this lesson from you. Help us learn it indeed. And I just believe that we have believed, received, heard from you, and we have heeded your message. We have taken to it. In Jesus' name, I pray with thanksgiving. Amen and amen. Amen and amen. I want to just start off by really thanking the Lord for all that he does throughout these weeks that we we take. And I really just want to give him some some praise real quick because God is so good. <clears throat> if you were with us last week or heard last week's message, we talked about doing some intentional faith, having some intentional faith, where we've spent so much time learning about God, learning about his word, what it means to us, the promises that he's given us, that he's made us, that he is fulfilling and will fulfill. And that because we have faith, because we know that faith is the substance of things hoped for, it's the evidence of things that haven't occurred just yet, but they're on their way. We can use that faith, <clears throat> that trust that we have in God, and we can begin to actually walk in it. We can declare and decree a thing in Jesus's name because that's the power he gave us to pray for something in his name and that he would do it. And it's not just about for stuff or, you know, having your, <clears throat> we'll say your monetary needs met or, or things of that nature, but for you actually overcoming some traumatic events or, or moving forward or growing. That's the kind of, of faith and trust that God is looking for us to have in him, for him to really be our all in all. If we say we love him, well, like 
Like Jesus said out of his own mouth, if you really love me, then you'd obey my commandments. And the biggest one we have from him is to just trust him. So with that, for Bible study this week, we have something truly, truly cool that I want to talk about. And what the Lord has given me to name it, I named it Right Path, We're Just Broken. Now, as my mom prayed, and as I had been thinking about this for the entirety of the week, it's that so many times we find ourselves still doing the same old thing. I don't know what that thing is for you, but for me personally, I I can say there are times where I find myself still saying, but why did I do this again? I know I should be past this and I want to be past it. So God, what's, what's the problem here? Well, allow me to help you out. We as people are broken, as the title says. Now, you may be saying I'm pretty well put together. You know, I have my job. I pay my bills. I handle my business. That, that's great. I'm glad. I'm happy for you. I really am. But when we talk about us for who we really are, are we really all the way there? Should you, in your big old age, still be making some knee-jerk reactions to things that honestly shouldn't affect you anymore? When you hear a song or, or have a conversation with a certain person, should it, should it still set you off and put you in a fighting mood? Should it make you want to curl up and recede within yourself? Should it make you want to run away? The answer to all of these questions is no, because that's not what God wants for us. So when I say brokenness, I mean it like a broken record. It can play for so long, but when it gets to that part where it's messed up at, it begins to skip the track and it repeats itself over and over and over again until it's reset. And it seems like it's just fine until it messes up again, over and over and over again. Or it's like when you have a charger for your phone or some device and it has a short in it, it only works in certain positions. You can play with it all day long and for some reason it just won't work. But when you just happen to throw it down and it ends up in some weird tangled up condition, now it works all of a sudden. Well, that's how we are. But that's not how God designed us to be. And more importantly, that's not how he wants us to be. So with that being said, let's hop into some scripture. Let us go ahead and see what God has for us tonight. We will first turn our attention to Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 13, and 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 through 13. So the Bible says, then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, O God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. 
Now, in 1 Corinthians 10, the Bible says, if you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Now, let's let's start digging into this. We're broken, right? We're messed up. We tend to repeat ourselves habitually, even though we really don't want to. Why is that? Well, let's let's take some some biblical knowledge real quick and apply it to our subject. We've studied the book of Romans and our little group for quite a while now. And Romans chapter six is something that we always happen to find ourselves coming back to because it holds a very significant importance to you and me, the believer. The Bible says that we find ourselves in this very peculiar situation where we want to do the right thing. We strive to do it. We want to please God. We want to make our father happy. But in those instances, sometimes we just find ourselves doing the exact opposite. We're doing the wrong thing. But I don't want to do the wrong thing. But yet here I am doing it. And so the writer comes to the conclusion that there has to be something at work within him that's fighting against the will of God. And then he begins to call himself wretched. And if you don't know what wretched means, wretched means that he is very terrible. He is sick of himself and he really wishes that he could do better. And so he says, oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me? Who can free me from this body of sin or from my, my captivity? But then he proceeds to give us that answer. Remember the answer God gave us that to the test, he tells us this day I place before you choose, I, I place before you life and death. But I'm telling you to choose life. Well, let's keep applying the Bible. Jesus, out of his own mouth, God Almighty says that he is the way, the truth, and the life and light of this world. So what he's saying is, is that you need to choose me. I won't force you to choose me. That's not, that's not my policy. I gave you free will so you can choose to do a thing. It also ties into another lesson we had about continuously making the godly choice, not the right choice, but the godly choice. It's a big difference. And so now we, we choose life. We choose God. And in terms of Romans, he says that I thank God, though, that the answer to overcoming this condition of ours is Jesus. That's it. It's that simple. The answer to overcoming is God. So let's apply this to our scripture now that we have a little bit of context. Again, the Bible tells us, <clears throat> and I'm going to start here in Corinthians, that if we think we are standing strong to be careful not to fall, that the temptations in our life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When we are tempted, it doesn't say if, but it says when. This is very important. When we are tempted, he will show us the way out so that we can endure it. Now, it's very important that we keep in mind that the Bible says when because we're going to make mistakes. We are not perfect. 
We aren't there yet, but when we get there, oh, I can't wait on that day. But until then, we make mistakes every second of every minute of every hour of every day. And baby, if you're like me, you get sick of some of the things because it's like, why am I still doing this? But let me help you out with that test answer about choosing life or choosing Jesus. If we take the intention that we talked about last week and we really put our trust in God, we stop putting the trust in the resource when we should be putting our trust in the source who gave us the resources. If God is the essence of love, if God is the epitome of what faith and joy and strength is, then why am I putting my trust, my faith? I'm staking all my hopes on a dollar bill, which depreciates in value every other day. It fluctuates just like this, just like we do. As my grandmother would say, it vacillates. (laughs) But the whole point of this is to reaffirm our trust in God. I'm broken. I don't have time to, to, to waste. I don't have time to play games. I don't have time to, to go try every single thing that claims it can help me through my issue. Yeah, I can meditate. Meditation is great. The Bible even recommends that you meditate on the word daily. But that's the thing that we meditate on God. If I'm just meditating, what am I meditating on? I mean, I I can wait, but the whole purpose is, is that everything we do should be God centered. I'm changing my life for him. I'm changing it through him because just like the Bible said, God will show me the way out of my temptation so that I can endure. Not that I will show me my way out because I don't have a way. I'm going to run into the wall. The my neighbor can't show me the way out because same thing. We're going to run into a wall together, the blind leading the blind. I mean, I could go on with examples, but the whole purpose that I'm trying to see meant for you is that if you know you're broken and God willing. He he will show you if you just ask, Father, where is it that I need to, to work on? He'll show you those broken spots. That once you see it, you'll realize that there is nothing you can do about it, but God can do everything about it. And the one thing you can do, our work that we've been given that we discovered last week is to just have faith in him. Trust him. You, you believe God? Do you really believe him? Is he the one that got you to where you are currently in your life? Is he the one that saved you from going insane? I'll raise my hand right there. Is he the one that kept your feet on solid ground? Is he the one that actually turned your life around and helped you walk away from people, places, that horrible job that mistreated you or or just anything in your life that you never thought or dreamed you could have the courage or strength to let go that sin, that whatever it is? Well, then let me tell you right now, if you trusted him, to help get you out of those situations, then you can trust him to help fix the broken part of you. I give you a great example, and then we're going to break down the rest of the scripture and move on. Actually, my example is right here. Jesus is telling the, the story here about the, the two men at the temple to pray. There is a Pharisee who's praying as pompous as he can. 
God, I'm not like the rest. I'm built different. I don't make the same mistakes that the other people do. I walk tall. Uh Uh-huh. You do, right? Okay. Well, I see what you do behind closed doors, but carry on. And he begins to, to pray and pray this prayer. And then he does the one thing that we as a society cannot seem to cease doing. We like to deflect the attention away from us when the spotlight is right there to help us see our problems. And we try to put it on the next person. I know I got mistakes, but look at them. Theirs are bigger. No such thing. We're all equally messed up just in different areas. But Jesus goes on to tell this story about the two people praying. And then he gets to the the tax collector who wouldn't even dare lift his eyes up to God and just said, Lord, help me. I know I'm wrong. And that's the kind of meekness. That's the kind of humility we need to get to, to understand that, yeah, I'm broken. I messed up and I need help. And my source of help, again, as we discovered last week, it doesn't come from the resources. It's not going to come from my job. It's not going to come from the PTO. It's not going to come from the health care benefits. It's not going to come from going to to a therapy session every week. But what's going to help me is that if I actually acknowledge God in this situation, when I acknowledge God, then the tools that he placed for me to help me out, like going to therapy, can then be fruitful because I'm not going there to talk and waste my time, but I'm going there trusting in God that when I put this out into the open, just like when you turn a light on in a room full of insects, they'll disperse. But the difference here is, is that when I turn the light on in this area of my life, the light never goes off again. When I'm intentional with my faith, when I'm intentional with the desire to actually want to grow, to actually want to get past this thing, well, then guess what happens? You begin to move forward just like God promised you would because you chose the correct answer to the test. You chose life, meaning you chose Jesus. And when you choose Jesus, well, you can't fail. The, the test is rigged from the beginning for you to pass it. All you have to do is choose the correct answer. It's about making that godly choice, not the right choice, but the godly choice. Not what you feel is the correct thing to do because your knee jerk feelings will put you in the side of a wall 10 times out of 10. But when you choose to respond by saying, Father, what should I do? Or Father, just lead me, guide me. I need you right now. Well, then you walk through a door. And as I was talking to to my brother earlier today, there is nothing more beautiful than walking through a door that God handcrafted just for you. He took the wall and he carved it out just for you with his finger. And that door is so special because we know, as the Bible says, that when God closes a door in your life. No one else can open it. So that broken part of you is now sealed away forever inside of him. And what happens is, is that you're not afraid to be vulnerable anymore because you feel that something is just going to be missing from you. But instead, God replaces what was broken with something that's brand new. And that's him because he's eternally new. And I mean, 
if that won't convince you to just take the time to say, hey, God, what on me is broken so we can get to fixing, then I don't know what will. But, you know, God is great. And I'm saying that from personal experience to help you just see for a moment if we just try God by his word, that those promises actually fall into place because we've met the prerequisite. We have faith in him. We trust and believe that he can and will do what he said that he would do. It's just that simple. But moving forward, if we now turn our attention and let me change this to Psalms chapter 34, verses 15 through 22, the Bible says the eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. His ears are open to their cries for help. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. He will erase their memory from the earth. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles, not some, but all of them. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. For the Lord protects the bones of the righteous. Not one of them is broken. Calamity will surely destroy the wicked and those who hate the righteous will be punished. But the Lord will redeem those who serve him. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. You know, that just happens to remind me of another wonderful passage from the book of Romans that happens to say there is therefore now no condemnation meaning you suffer no persecution from anything that you do for those of us who are inside of Jesus, our Lord, that chase after what he wills instead of these knee jerk reactions that our body just keeps throwing at us every other second of the day. That's the kind of God we serve that Despite what's happening, what's going on, if we truly serve him, if we're truly his children, if we're not just Christian in name alone, like sadly so many people are, but we've actually gone through the process of accepting his gift to us called salvation. And we're now in this process of continuously being put back in the fire to be tempered. We come out Another layer is removed. We get put against that whetstone to be sharpened. We clash up against our brothers and sisters so that the iron can sharpen the iron. If we're going through that process called sanctification, well, guess what happens? Again, when you put the light on in an area of your life, you give God the green light to heal that area. You give him the opportunity to be God in your life. And I know you may be saying, well, why do I have to allow God to to do this in the first place? Because God gave you the choice, the choice to choose him. And after choosing him, you have to keep choosing him. That the same God who, when you heard about that great man named Jesus, revealed to you that there is a higher power and he actually loves you. That when you went to go get God, when you went to go receive that gift you heard so much about to form the relationship. And then God in turn revealed everything to you that, yeah, Jesus, that's me. I came down personally just for you. I left my throne so that when I got there, you would have the opportunity to not only get saved, 
have your debt paid, but that you would also actually be able to live a life because the the way the Internet, social media, current standards depict that you should live your life, chase the bag at any means, you know, all that other stuff that I won't even dare repeat in Bible study. That, that That's not it. It's really not. It's tiring. It'll drive you crazy. And you'll realize you have no friends and no one who actually cares about you doing things that way, because now you're just a puppet being guided by a puppeteer. And Satan wants nothing more than, as the Bible tells us so often, than to kill, to steal and to destroy, to kill your dreams, to kill you eventually, to destroy your hopes, your faith, your trust by putting it in things that are built like you fickle. If I took this tablet right now and ripped this cover off, it would be broken. Same thing with me if I were to believe in all the lies Satan is trying to sell me. As my brother so eloquently put one conversation we had, Satan works in almost. It'll look like it's like it's right. It'll feel like it's right. It'll sound like it's right. It may even taste like it's right. But nothing Satan can try to produce for you will ever be conducive to your growth because there's always a catch. Yeah, you can have this excellent job at the cost of your morality, at the cost of your sanity, at the cost of you losing those you love the most, further adding to your brokenness. That's the enemy that we fight against. And the biggest enemy that we talk about so often. Yeah, well. If you don't know, I advise next time you go to your bathroom, just take a look in the mirror for a moment. That person you're looking at, I don't mean the spiritual you, the actual you. I mean that that body that you see in the mirror, the one whose hair you comb, who you shower, who you make smell real nice, who people compliment you on. That's the person that's actively trying to destroy you the most. Yeah, temptation is a thing. It's terrible. But I thank God that as we've already discovered, he's the one that will give you the strength to endure. That as the Bible reaffirms us that if anyone is in Christ Jesus, that they are a new person, a new creature, as the King James says, that our old life is behind us and the new life that we're beginning starts and ends inside of Jesus. So the broken pieces of you that are still attached to this body that still try to bring up those traumatic events that try to give you PTSD where you should be calm can all be defeated by simply acknowledging where the issue is and then using every tool that God has already equipped you with, according to the Bible, to defeat it, to overcome it and to tame this thing. It has to listen because you have already done the most important part. You have willingly confessed with your mouth and in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. And in doing so, well, you're already saved and set free. Now, the sanctification process is our lifelong journey that we'll be going on until he takes us home, where we continuously beat this thing down. The same old sin that used to trick you and trap you every other day just because shorty looked good or because that food tasted so good you had to buy 20 orders of it. It can't get you anymore. Or a place of comfort that you may have found and a place of filth no longer will will supplement you anymore because that's the kind of God that we serve, that you don't have to keep returning to the place of, of dirt. You don't have to keep going back to the junkyard 
to try to find your peace because there is no peace in a junkyard. It's just scrap heap everywhere. But instead, God wants you to take the familiarity of your pain and your suffering and to trade it in as my mother prayed for his familiarity of peace, of love, of strength, of actually having a place of belonging and a purpose. God doesn't want us to go through this life mucking about ceaselessly. He doesn't want us to go about this life keep trying to climb the same two steps over and over again and we keep falling and hitting our head no God wants us to take those steps to overcome them and then to jump off into his arms trusting that he would catch us and take us to exactly where it is that we need to be because again God knows the plans that he has for you they are for good and not for evil if we add on to it their plans to heal you and to not leave you broken. Their plans to help you overcome your past because everything that God has allowed to happen in your life was meant specifically with the intent to help you grow, get closer to him and renounce any faith and trust you have in the things of this world because it can't help you. It can't save your soul. Only God can. It your good deeds, as we like to say, they won't get you anywhere unless God is the one fueling those deeds. So if we don't have Jesus, well, then we stay broken. But because we have him, those of us who have been blessed to, to be his children, we now have the option to leave the past where it belongs behind us, because we're not walking a life to look back. We're walking a life with our eyes glued to the future. We look at today and say, God, how can I serve you? And we look at tomorrow saying, Lord, if I'm going to be there, well, I would like to do this to not just benefit me, but to benefit my fellow man. That's the kind of life we live. And then we close out taking a look at a, another familiar piece of scripture in Romans 8, 26 through 30. It says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. And God knew his people in advance and he chose them or he predestinated us to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. Now, if your spiritual ears were astute, you realize that once again, like the Bible tells us in a different passage, we cannot do anything to earn what God has given us. We just we don't make the cut. But what God has given us is a free gift, not because we deserve it and surely not because we could work toward it, but simply because he loves us and wants us to have better. 
That scripture right there just told us something very important. Two things. I'm going to start with the end first and then work back. The first of which is that this right standing that we have with God is because he gave it to us. He beckoned us to him because as the Bible in another passage of Romans says that every person on this planet was put here with a tiny measure of faith. And that as the Bible goes on to say in a different portion, it's that faith comes from hearing and hearing comes from the word of God. So when our little bit of faith that we have here, that's seeking something, we don't know what just yet. Here's the testimony of who Jesus Christ is. It begins to blossom. And now it's craving water. It's craving sustenance. And when we feed it the right type of sustenance, when we place it in the right type of soil, which is in Jesus's hands, well, then it begins to truly grow. And as we trust and believe and study and talk to God, so very important to talk to him, that those roots that have been planted now go down deep and they spread and they begin to wrap around the base of who God is. And so now when life comes at us, no matter how much it tries to pull or cut or take us away, nothing in all of existence can separate us from God's love. Now, the second thing, since we're working backwards, is that Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Now, I know this. I know this will. But the Lord made this pop out to me in a very different way today. See, every time we've talked about Romans 8, 28, we always talk about it from the place of, you know, we make these mistakes and God has a perfect will and a permissive will. The permissive will is where he takes our uh-ohs and our oopsies And he allows them to work out to embedder us, to empower us so that we can take those mistakes and prayerfully not make them again because we've learned from them that where wrath and justice should be taking the spot. He gives us grace and mercy to say, baby, look, you don't have to do this or you made this mistake, but we can move past it. We can move forward. That not every single mistake you make, God will let you just pay the price for it. Some he will to really teach you if we're too hard headed. But in a lot of cases, and I thank him for it, he's very lenient. But the other way to interpret this is with this beautiful little list I found. And it talks about God's broken soldiers. And it's like the Lord just led me to it because it gives us a list of some very notable people. And it talks about how God, again, something we've discussed, doesn't choose those who are ready to go, but he calls those of us who aren't even prepared in the first place. And he prepares us or he qualifies us on the journey to our purpose. I'll give you a little little short list. Abraham, he was old as could be, but he was promised a son and that son helped bring forth the lineage of David. And David, of course, was blessed to bring forth our Lord and Savior. Elijah was suicidal. Joseph was abused. Job went bankrupt. Moses had a speech problem. You know, Gideon was afraid. Samson was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. I I could go on. Noah was, was drunk. He liked to drink. Jeremiah was very young. 
Jacob had a cheating issue. David loved killing folks. I mean, Jonah ran from God just straight up. Peter denied God himself three times. Martha was worried about everything you could possibly think about. The disciples couldn't even stay awake to pray. And Paul, the reason why we have the bulk of the New Testament, was a zealot murdering lunatic. All of these people all have one beautiful thing in common. They're broken, just like you and me. But God used them to accomplish his will. Why? Well, in the book of, um, what is it, Colossians, the Bible says that God takes the things that the wise would scoff at, and he uses it to uproot and just overthrow the wisest plans they could ever come up with. The Bible actually says that the foolish, the most foolish plan of God is better than the wisest plan a person could come up with. That's the kind of God we serve, where everyone around you who will say, you aren't qualified to do this. You don't deserve to be here. You shouldn't be here. You don't have the, what is it, the credentials. You don't fit the bill. You didn't study enough. You don't anything they could tell you. Well, as we've come to discuss here, stop worrying about what other people say about you or what they think you don't fit. Did they create you or did God create you? And if God created you, do you believe that there is a such thing as favor in your life? Do you believe that God's favor, if you just trust in this plan that he has for you, remember it's for good and not for evil, that like my mom again prayed, like the Bible says, there is a time and a place for everything under the sun, that you don't have to be broken all of your life. Yeah, you'll be broken for a season, but that brokenness hopefully is so that in your pain, in your suffering, where the water cannot stop flowing from your eyes, where the pain is just too heavy on your heart, that brokenness will say, God, I need you. I don't need some money. I don't need a new job. I don't need an extra person in my life. I need you. I love my parents. I love my friends, my family. I know they love me, but they can't help me right now. God, only you can. And that's the purpose of your brokenness, to get you to rely more on God, to be independent of the world and to be solely dependent upon him. Because when you call out to God, what did we read? He's listening. He is actively listening for your cry. Yes, he knows everything that's going on, but he wants you to acknowledge the issue so that you can begin freeing from the, whatever the issue is. If God just did every single thing for you without you putting in any work, you wouldn't appreciate anything you have in life. None of the blessings, none of the growth, none of it. But when we put in our tiny 1%, and I know it feels like so much when we do it, but when you put in the 1% and God takes you the 99% rest of the way, you feel accomplished because you let your faith work for you. Father, I'm broken in this area where I was once broken in my desire to have some type of fulfillment and I filled it with porn. It didn't help me. It never helped me. It left my mind so confused and warped. And I couldn't focus or concentrate in certain parts of my life. 
But when leaving it alone and just trusting God to get me through, when my flesh would want to try to return to it. And it's like, no, because I know this isn't going to benefit me, but instead I will supplement my desire with Christ instead of doing something stupid and wasting my time. Instead, I just walk away from it. As the Bible says, I run from it. I got plenty of Nikes in my closet I can put on and I can hit the trail. I don't have to stay in that place of brokenness anymore. As our saying goes, birds of a feather of a feather flock together. Well, baby, I don't have broken wings anymore. Like the Bible tells me, if I wait on the Lord, then I will renew my strength. I can mount up with new wings like an eagle. I can run and not be weary. I can run and not faint because now all of my trust, all of my strength, all of my peace comes directly from God. So if you have an area in your life or multiple that you're aware of right now and you know you're broken and you don't want to be broken anymore, well, today's your lucky day. And I won't even say lucky. Today is a very blessed day because now you know that you don't have to stay broken. You don't have to keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. That is the textbook definition of lunacy. You are doing the same thing, expecting for a different result. That's not how it works. But if you want a new result, try the correct answer to the test. It's not money. It's not the job. It's not the people. It's not the places. It's not your network, how vast it may seem. That's all a part of the same thing. We are finite. But instead, try the infinite thing, choosing Jesus. Just try him. You literally have nothing to lose at that point. You're already messed up. Try him. I promise you, from one broken person to another, you don't have to be as broken anymore. When we move past one fight, we can fight the next fight. But we can't fight a new battle if we're still caught up in the past. Your past has already happened. It's a dead horse. Don't let it stink up your new house, okay? Heavenly Father, we come before you in prayer saying thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you so much that according to your word, Father, that you are very near and dear to us who are brokenhearted. And God, that's every single person who calls out to your name. So Lord Jesus, again, we just say thank you that when we have a need, when we have a desire, that you not only are actively listening for us to talk to you, but that you talk back, Lord. You give us answers. You meet our needs. You supply our desires. And most importantly, you help us change. Change without you is probably the most impossible thing a person could ever embark upon. Because while they'll look different for a moment, their true self always rears its ugly head. But God, when you help us change, when you supplement our strength, our growth, our platform, our new beginning, well, then when they see us, they'll say, wow, you really did overcome that. And when they ask how, all we have to do is point to you, Lord, because that's the purpose of our lives in the first place, to be a shining example of what living this life with you leading it can be. That was the whole other purpose of you coming down, Father, and becoming the way and the light and the life of this world 
to show us what a God-centered life can do, that we can do and say anything in your name and it will happen, that we can cast out demons, heal the sick, give sight to the blind, overcome our own trauma, get that new position, get that new opportunity, be blessed to be a blessing. And all it takes is to have a little intention behind that faith, to have a little more trust inside of you, God, to acknowledge that we actually need help. And in doing so, you will not only help us, but you'll help us overcome it to the point to where we laugh at how it ever held us down in the first place. So for that, simply, Lord, we just say thank you. Father, we love you. And we will be sure to give your name all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory, which you so rightly deserve. It's these things we thank you for. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, family. I pray the lesson has blessed you in some way, shape, form, or fashion today. Each week, we hold Bible study on Zoom, and it would be wonderful to share this experience with you. If something was said that resonated with you and you aren't a part of the family, I would like to open the invitation to join. I pray that the Lord blesses you in all of your endeavors and that you chase after the prize, which is Jesus. See you next week, God willing, and be blessed. Mm -hmm.